Welcome to the Parlay Podcast, a thought-provoking and entertaining podcast that breaks down the pathology of speech, language, and other processes that affect the way we communicate on a daily basis. Professor of Speech and Language Pathology, Chantal Mayer-Crittenden, hosts a bevy of guests who help her explore and explain the diverse landscape of speech, language, and their relationship with the brain. Hi everyone, this is Chantal Maillie-Crittenden, the host of the Parlay Podcast. After multiple emails or discussions and um, comments on my Facebook page, I've decided to publish a Q&A episode using the questions that you, the listeners, have posted or sent me via email. Uh, a lot of my English episodes are more broad related to communication themes, whereas in French, the episodes are very specific to what it's like learning French as a minority language in an English minority community. And a lot of, of people, a lot of listeners said, well, as an English listener, I would like to hear what you have to say about learning French as a French speaker, uh, or, or perhaps it's a child who wants to learn English um, in this English community where French is not as prevalent. And so here it is. I don't have a guest today. I will just be going over some of your questions and sharing some of the resources that are already on my website uh, to try to encourage bilingual families, or even if they're Anglophone families, to expose their child to French as much as possible and how to, how to do that. So uh, I do invite the listeners to take a look at my website. That's where the show notes will be for this episode. And I will guide you through, through some of the resources that are already there. So it's the parleypodcast.com. Um, but uh, I'll, I'll get to those resources as I'm talking along here. So one of the questions that I often get is, what do I need to know before enrolling my child in a French school? Now, most provinces outside of Quebec have two um, mediums in which we can teach kids the French language. The first is French immersion programs, which are in French schools. And then there are French schools uh, themselves. And so students who are Anglophone can be enrolled in a French school. This is what's called a rights holder. But there are certain criteria that need to be met before the child is admitted into the French school. There needs to be, you know, sometimes it's a parent that speaks French at home or the parent attended a French school when they were younger, or perhaps it's a grandparent that speaks French. And so we've seen an increase in a lot of English kids or kids who are more comfortable in English in some of our French schools. And I think that a lot of that stems from the fact that there are more and more bilingual families compared to, let's say, 20, 30 years ago, where a lot of the kids were from monolingual Francophone families, but now they're being brought up in a bilingual home. So what do I need to do before enrolling my child in a French school? Well, as Catherine Conert, who um, is now a retired researcher, speech language pathologist from the States, says it well. She said that you really need three ingredients to ensure that a child develops a first language, a second language, or you know any other additional language adequately. And she uses the acronym MOM. So the first one is the means. The child needs to have the cognitive means to be able to learn a language. And so there are certain syndromes out there, or there are certain developmental uh, delays that may make it difficult for a child to learn a language. Um, I'm also thinking of spectrum, uh, autism spectrum disorder, where you might have some kids who, who are not verbal. And so, you know, you need to have a certain level of cognitive ability in order to learn a language and to maintain that language. So that's the first M, the means. The second letter in the acronym, O, is for opportunities. Children need to have many opportunities in said language, be it their first language or their second language, in order to really master that language. And so you need to create these opportunities outside of school uh, because within the school, the school is there to teach a certain 
topic. And so we really can't rely on the school to provide all of the opportunities for the children to communicate, to use the language and to practice. There just aren't enough hours in a day. And then the last one is the motivation. Kids need to be motivated to learn a language. It needs to come from within. It can't, we can't force someone to learn a second language especially. I know of um, some people who um, do not speak English. They moved here, um, immigrants, and chose not to really learn the language. And they get by, but it hasn't gone past just the get by level. And so that was their choice. So again, you really need to want and to learn the language and to be motivated to learn it. So means, opportunities, motivation are the three key ingredients that would, will ensure that a child has what it takes to learn a second language. Or I said it's also applicable to a first language, but I'm more interested in second language acquisition in this podcast. Now, to add to that, if I'm talking about the um, opportunities, Ellen Thurdartier, she is a professor, a full professor at McGill University. She um, has... Some of her studies have shown that children need to be exposed to said language 40% of their waking hours in order to really master that language or those languages. So if a child speaks two languages, he or she needs to be exposed to both of those languages at least 40% of his or her time, his or her waking time. And so in this situation here in Ontario... If we're taking French and English, they need to be exposed to French 40% of their time and English 40% of their time. Now, you might say to me, yes, but how is it so that in Europe or in other countries, children are able to learn multiple languages? So with the 40% here is very key in terms of the level of mastery. If we want a child to really master a certain language and be very proficient and use that language at a higher level to persuade, to debate, to argue, to reflect, to make inferences, not just the day-to-day communication, then they need to be exposed to that language at least 40% of their time. And by exposure, I want to clarify that it isn't sufficient for them to be exposed to it via television or music or a tablet. It really needs to be rich exposure with their family members, with peers, with community members. They need to have interactions. They need to use it because a lot of, if you think about it, if we're looking at television or music or applications, tablets, a lot of that exposure is one way. So the child is sitting there listening, but not necessarily using. And so we really need to make sure that they have many opportunities to use the language as well. Now, it's hard to estimate how many hours in a day our child is spending in a said language. So I did develop a few years ago uh, a very easy form that you can fill out. Now, again, you can go at theparleypodcast.com under useful resources, printable pages. And there it's called exposure mapping. And I have one for school age as well as for preschools. And all you need to do is insert for every day of the week. And I've already listed out some categories there, such as home conversations, school, before and after school programs, extracurricular activities, friends, homework, electronics, etc. And you just need to put, and there's two columns there, community language, so English in our situation here, target language, so French, how many hours a day the child is spending in each of those two languages during the listed activities. And then at the end of the week, there is just a simple equation that needs to be completed, and it gives you the percentage of exposure to those languages. So if you're not meeting the 40% of exposure threshold in either of your child's languages, then you may want to consider how you can increase exposure to those languages. 
I also think back to Barbara Pearson and collaborators in the 90s. They had also published a study that showed that exposure to a language is directly related to their vocabulary use and understanding of, of vocabulary. So again, we really see that direct correlation between exposure and use of a language to the production and vocabulary and knowledge of that language. Now, if you yourself do speak French, then it can be easy to ensure that you have that exposure. Um, it could be that your your partner or spouse is Anglophone and you are Francophone. And so you might want to consider developing a language plan. And that is something that needs to be done together. And I have helped families establish some of their language plans where you look at your day and you look at your your your, your week and you try to plan moments during the day where French will be used. And here I use French, but you can substitute French for any other target language that you are considering. And so it could be that, um, I don't know, uh, mealtime is always in French, or it could be uh, homework. Obviously, they're probably bringing homework from school that is in French. So anything around homework can be in French. It can be morning routine is done in French. And then there are other times of the day where it can be done in, in the other language. So I, I don't think that it's necessarily the, the difficulty is not necessarily when families are bilingual. It needs to be a conscious effort, but it is doable. And if with a little bit of planning, it can be achieved. For families who don't speak a whole lot of English or, or French, sorry, for both when both parents are Anglophone, that's when it may become a little bit more difficult to try and expose your child to French as much as possible. And so, um, again, on my website, under resources, printable pages, there is um, a file there that is called How to Increase Exposure to the French Language During Summer Months in an English Community. Now, this can be all year round. I had originally posted this right before summer. Now, the first thing on this list is how to make a plan um, on how to increase exposure this summer. So, you know, again, setting specific times where you will increase exposure to the French language or the target language. Every community will have services, especially here in Ontario uh, or, or in Canada, that are offered in French. Um, you know, so you may consider enrolling your child in a, in a before and after school program that is French or a French summer camp or a French March break camp. Um, you may also find sports that are offered in French only. I know that in our community here, there are swimming lessons that are in French or there's um, uh, brownies that can be offered in French only. So there are some activities that are in the target language. It may require a little bit of driving. Sometimes, you know, you may have to go to the other end of town, but if it's something that you are really motivated to do, then uh, I think it's definitely worth it and it will have long-term gains. You may even consult your local library. Some have fun book clubs that you can join or that your children can join. Um, some have story time in French. I know that the TD Bank often sponsors a TD Summer Reading Club, and there you can find on their website a lot of resources for how to encourage reading in French. There are often movies in French at the movie theater, so just kind of keep an eye out for when those movies come out, especially if your um, city has, um, you know, international films or cinefest of some sort where you can bring them to some French movies. Uh, theater, there are likely different theater organizations in your community and you can really look at taking your children to um, watch a play that is um, obviously available for their or appropriate to their age and available in French. Now on my resource, I also list some apps for tablets here that are educational and are in French. Again, keeping in mind that those are very much receptive only, they're only hearing the language, not necessarily interacting, but if they're going to be doing it in English anyway, why not have them 
uh, be exposed to French that way. So there's a, quite a few there that uh, are either free or not costly at all. Um, you know, most movies can be available in French. You can get them on Netflix as well. I always try to put on French music in my car when I've got my kids with me. Um, you know, as they get older, it gets more difficult because they they are really into pop culture and aren't as used to French music. But I think the more we play it, the more familiar they become with certain songs and, and actually enjoy them and sing along sometimes. Um, one thing that I've noticed is that sometimes when my kids have their friends come over and play, they will often speak English amongst themselves, even though they both speak French or could be a friend from school. So, you know, as a parent, we want to encourage them to speak French and to this, you know, this being a safe environment where they can alternate between French and English if they can't find the word, but just to kind of make them a bit more aware that they get to practice their French if they're when they're together here and um, that, you know, it's okay if they're not getting it all right. If it's at all possible to travel, I mean, traveling is a great way to increase exposure. Um, it doesn't have to be in, in France. I mean, if you can make a trip to Quebec or even some of the, some smaller communities in uh, outside of Quebec can be very francophone as well. Um, I have listed here audiobooks. Audiobooks in French are great. So again, if, if they are listening to audiobooks, it's something that they like, then you can purchase some of them in French. Um, books just for them to read books in French obviously is also uh, a great way to get them more familiar with the a bit more sophisticated language in books. Now we know that books use a, a language that is not necessarily the same as our spoken language. We meet many more um, sophisticated vocabulary words and more complex words and that's okay. That's how we learn. That's how we we make inferences about language and and it, it really pushes us to think a bit more about what we're reading and um, it, it's something that kids have to do on a daily basis at school. So I think what's also important is to immerse your child in French culture by taking them to French plays like I mentioned, French music concerts, um, if it's at all possible in your community. I know that um, for our community this week, there is a um, festival for, for francophones because of the um, Journée des Franco-Ontariens on September 25th. So I think at the bottom of the line is we want to have fun. We want kids to realize that learning a second language may come with its challenges, but it's also a great advantage and it's fun and they need to be motivated. So again, that mom, that last M, we want them to be motivated to learn the language. And one of the ways that we can do that is to make them aware. Now I mentioned just a few minutes ago that we want them to be aware that when they're speaking to their friends, that they can choose to speak French. And so just making them a little bit more uh, sensitive to the fact that it may sometimes be easier to switch back to the majority language of the community, but that if they really want to learn that language, they need to make a conscious effort to speak it. And it's, it, it gets rewarding after a while because the more you use it, the better you are. So awareness is definitely a big one. Now you can also find on the website um, a document that is titled 20 Things to Know About Raising Your Bilingual Child. And here it's just 20 facts about raising a bilingual child. And one that I like is, I, you know, I've talked a lot about of, of exposure, but Another important ingredient is it's not only the exposure, but the quality of that exposure. And so again, we really want to ensure that there's that rich vocabulary development um, and, and rich vocabulary exposure as well. <clears throat> now, raising your child bilingual is hard work, so it is important to make the experience enjoyable. We want to use the minority language during fun activities, not, <clears throat> excuse me, not only during um, homework or when we're talking about school, we want it to be something that is fun. We can you know, use it when we're telling stories, playing games, board games, 
Um, so it's an effective way to motivate your child to learn that minority language, the French language. Now, we do know as well that raising your child bilingual does not cause delays in their speech or language acquisition. I mean, even if your child has already been diagnosed with some kind of speech delay, bilingualism will not result in a more pronounced delay. But again, uh, keeping in mind that it will be very difficult for a child to learn a certain language if they're not sufficiently exposed to that language. So no, they will not have a more prominent delay, but it just makes it a little bit more difficult if they're not sufficiently exposed. They're just going to struggle more. So exposure, exposure, exposure. I can't say it enough. Um, now, since they're learning two languages to communicate, they may sometimes appear to be processing a little bit more slowly, especially in early language development. But this is typical. This is what we expect. So if we compare their French language to a monolingual French speaker um, or their English language to a monolingual English speaker, it may not be exactly the same, but that's okay. They've got two languages, so they've got double the repertoire there. So generally speaking, we're not too, too concerned. If you are concerned about your child's language development, um, please contact a speech language pathologist. You can contact um, your school board if you're not sure who the speech and language pathologist is. If your child is younger than six, then they can likely obtain um, free services as well through some of the preschool services available. So one thing that you might notice when your child is learning a second language is that they might start mixing the two languages. So some have called this uh, code switching, uh, which is again, very typical. And it's just something that often happens as they're acquiring the language. They may just not know the word or um, you know, from a one bilingual to another, and I've done this multiple times, I have code switched. I have gone from French to English, English to French. But as I am speaking to you right now, I am fully capable of just speaking in one language. So it's almost a bit of a, a cultural thing that bilinguals do when they're speaking to someone else who is bilingual. So not to be alarmed by that. It isn't a sign of incompetency. It's merely mimicking what other people are doing around them. I guess one thing to really keep in mind here is that it takes time. Um, you know, it can take a couple of years for a child who is exposed to about 40% of their time or more to a second language to learn that language socially. So just to converse socially. So this is what Jim Cummins called the basic interpersonal communication skills or BICs for short. And then it can take up to, you know, six to eight years to really master that higher level language ability that I was talking about or the school language, which he calls the cognitive academic language proficiency or the CALP. And so other studies have shown very similar trends in terms of the time that it takes to learn a second language to the point where it can be used at a much higher level to make inferences, to you know, use it in a debate, to persuade, to make inference, or I already said inferences, to, to make you know, these analogies and to really have a deeper understanding and use of the language. So it takes time. So don't get discouraged if after a couple of years, your child isn't really mastering the language yet. It, it takes years. And maybe question yourself, hmm, perhaps I need to increase the exposure. And when I was talking about the exposure mapping at the beginning of this podcast, talking about how you can put in every day uh, the amount of time that the child is exposed to both languages, that may change. So you may do it in September and it might give you 40% to French and 60% to English. And then if you do it again, perhaps during March break, when there's no school, you may see a drastic change there. So keep in mind that it changes and the, the level of input will change, um, especially during the summer months as well. We often tend to see a significant decrease in the exposure of French language during the summer months. And I mean, it's still a good nine to 10 weeks um, during the summer that the children are off from school. So it's important to try to find activities for them to do in French during that time. 
Now, I mentioned briefly that uh, September 25th is the Journée Franco-Ontarien, so Franco-Ontarians Day. Um, So this is a really important day where we often celebrate the um, green and white flag that you might see around um, in Ontario. There are other communities, other provinces that have different ways of showcasing um, their their francophone heritage. Um, but here it's September 25th. And I mean, you don't have to be francophone to celebrate. You can be a francophile and a francophile is someone who values French and the culture and the language. And so you, you can certainly show your children, even though you are not francophone, that you value the language, that you value what it stands for by, by participating in some of these activities, by playing French music every once in a while, by asking your child about different activities that were held at their school or that the activities that are held in the community. And so I think that a lot of our perception and the way that we interpret um, French culture and the French language around our children goes a long way. They will see that it is important to us, even though we may not speak it or we may not speak it well, but that it is something that is valued and that we want our child to um, benefit from later on in life. And so a lot of families, bilingual families, enroll their children in French schools in order to give them perhaps the experience that they didn't have Um, And so by doing so, you're really promoting the French language and the French culture and are a Francophile yourself. This brings me again back to the awareness. This is something that can be definitely talked about with your children and just say, you know, we don't really use it that much and we lost it over the years and we really think it's important and would like for you to be able to benefit from all that a different language has to offer. I mean, when with a, a different language comes a different culture, comes a different, different traditions, different foods. Um, and so it, it's definitely something that can be made um, as, a, as a very significant positive effect, but it needs to be talked about. It's not something that will just be learned. Um, you know, we, we really need to focus on the advantages of learning a second language and recognize that it might be difficult at certain times, especially when children get a little bit older in school and they're required to use language to not just you know, express their their ideas, have a little uh, oral presentation, but to really reflect and analyze and really come to their own conclusions and hypotheses about certain texts that they may be reading. For young families who are just thinking about enrolling their child in a in a French school, um, if you have an early child center around you that is in French, I encourage you to take your kids to that center, give them that exposure before school. Also, you may want to learn some of the very basic vocabulary that is taught in schools. And you can find a lot of videos on YouTube about that. Uh, Some schools also have resources for bilingual families. And so you can definitely ask the school. Some have drop-in centers for parents and their kids just to get them a bit more familiarized with the school's um, structure. So it's almost like a preschool. So definitely look into those. It will pay off in the end. I think most importantly, it's to, again, (laughs) make your child aware Tell them that they will not only be starting school, but starting school in a, in a school where they may not necessarily understand everything that's going on around them. And it's okay that it's part of the process because, you know, I've spoken to some teachers that have said to me that the, the child will sometimes start their first day of school and not necessarily fully grasp that he or she was not going to fully understand what was going on. Um, so I think preparing them without scaring them, it's, it's, it's not to be a scary thing, but just to prepare them that they're going to be learning a second language, but that the teachers are there to help them. And oftentimes their peers will help them. If you or your spouse 
don't speak the school language, um, you can let the teacher know. You can also talk to your teacher about your bilingual plan. Um, tell them about what is your long-term goal for your child's language acquisition. Maybe ask them to send resources home if they have any. There are a lot of books that are available in both languages, especially books for very young children. And so that is something that you could even read at home in, in English. And then when they get to school, they will at least know what the book is about and then can really focus on the vocabulary. We know that reading is very, very beneficial for kids. And so if they really grasp the concept the, uh, of the book, then learning the words will be that much easier. There are a lot of songs as well and rhymes that are so valuable and so important. And, you know, rhymes can be learned or, 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 or songs can be learned in in French, even though you don't speak French, there's that certain rhythm. And so just kind of going over those and you can find so many of them on YouTube. So again, those are very important. I know that my child, when she was in junior kindergarten, the uh, educational assistant had prepared a CD of all of the songs that they sang to the children at about Christmas time. And then we had those at home and, and she just loved them. Now, you know, want to set some time aside for reading if it's possible. Like I said, trying to use the same books. Um, if you can, volunteer at your child's school to get a better sense of how he or she's communicating with, with their peers, then that's also very beneficial. And like I said, make sure your child knows you value the school language and culture. If your child senses that the school language and culture are important to you, then he or she is more likely to value that language as well. Now, one thing that I wanted to touch on is the, um, the fact that a lot of kids, like I said earlier, will switch to English. So they might be speaking French to one another and then they switch to English. And we see an increase in this switch as they progress through the grades. And so earlier on, um, I've conducted some of my own studies that have shown that children really value French and they almost see it as the language of power in the school. And so they really want to speak it and it's very important to them. They want to please, they want to make the adults around them proud of them. But then, uh, you know, and this is a, until about uh, the end of senior kindergarten, so two years in, but then there's a gradual shift to using English more frequently. So we did the same study when the children were in grade three and four, and there we thought we saw about a 34% increase in the use of English in the schools between the kids. And so this would be during a recess or in the hallway or any downtime that they may have had. And so we are trying to figure out how can we encourage children to use French as much as possible when they are at school without it becoming a negative, um, a negative task. You know, we don't want to punish them necessarily when they're speaking English in the hallways. Uh, so I interviewed a few kids that I know that are uh, around me in my neighborhood. Just they're all from. Uh, bilingual or French homes, and I wanted to ask why they speak English to one another sometimes with their friends. And I've got, you know, kids from grade three uh, up until the, the you know, high school, just to really get a sense of how they perceived it. And I didn't prepare them ahead of time. I didn't want them to, to think about their answer. I just asked them, you know, why do you think you speak English to your friends when you all speak French and you're, you know, in a French school at recess? So take a listen. Um, their answers are, are quite interesting, and some of them are my own kids. <laughs> but uh, like I said, I didn't prepare them, and it was just not to conduct a study of any sort, but just to get their input on why they thought. So take a listen. Okay, so I have um, a friend here with me. Uh, tell me what grade you're in. Ninth grade. Okay, and you speak French and English, right? Mm-hmm. What, um, uh, your school is French? Yeah. Now, with your friends, do you speak mostly French or English? Uh, English. Okay. Why do you think that most kids your age speak English even though they are French and go to a French school? Like, why do you think? Hmm. 
Because there's more words that you can say in English. Okay, so is it because it's easier to say the words in English? Yeah. Okay, and why else do you think you and your friends speak English to each other? Because uh, like, there's lots of stuff on the internet that's in English. Yeah, so you're more exposed to it kind of thing, right? Mm-hmm. Hmm. Do you find it's weird when you speak French to your friends? No. So you can do both and it, it doesn't feel strange? Mm-hmm. Well, it's great talking to you. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> Gotta love the level of enthusiasm and how talkative a 14-year-old boy. So let's go on to uh, another child who is uh, about 12 years old. Okay, and now how about you? What grade are you in? Seven. And do you go to a French or an English school? French. Okay. Now, how about when you talk to your friends at school or away from school? Do you speak to them in French or in English? Both. Okay, and what do you speak most with your friends? English. That's okay. There's no right or wrong answer. (laughs) I want to know... Why? Why do you think that you speak English to your friends who also speak French in a French school? Why do you think that you guys all speak English? Because we're all used to it. You're used to it. Yeah, that's a good point. And is it weird if you speak French to some of your friends? Kind of, yeah. Yeah. Um, why else do you think that you're, you speak English with your friends? I don't know. Like, because we... Like, at home, like, if you have a dad that talks English all the time, and then you're, like, stuck with that. So that's just kind of stuck in your head, you mean? Mm-hmm. Okay. So is it a bit easier? Yeah. Now, is it easy to speak French? Yeah. So you just feel that it's easier to speak English? Yeah. Okay. Perfect. Awesome. Thank you. Bye. Okay, so I have someone else with me here. Um, what grade are you in? Six. Ooh, so this is your last year at your school. Now you go to a French school. I want to know, and I've been asking all the kids this, when you're at school, at recess, in the bus, do you speak French or English to your friends? It depends if the people talk more French or more English. So I pick up a little kid and I always talk to her French. But is Gwendolyn, my friend, I talk to her English because she's more English. Okay, so you just switch. Whatever, whatever the other person feels more comfortable, right? And what about your friends in the neighborhood that are French? There's a lot of French kids in the neighborhood here. Do you speak French or English to them? A bit more English than French because they're a bit more used to English, but they know how to talk French, but they're better at talking English. So I just talk what they like to talk better with. That's pretty nice. So you just try to make them feel more comfortable, right? Yeah. Yeah. And so you've got the one little uh, student that you help at school, and then you have a friend that you speak English. What about your best friends at school? Do you speak mostly French or English to them? Uh, At school, French, but sometimes a bit English, but enough French. And with my best friend, I'm doing a project right now, so we're talking French lots because we have to do it at home and at school. So it makes us talk more French at home. Sounds like it depends on what you're talking about, too. If you're talking about school stuff, you'll talk French. Maybe if you're talking about hockey, you'll probably talk English, right? Yeah. When I'm with my hockey team, I talk English because my hockey team is almost all English. So... Different situations, I change. Awesome. Makes sense. Thank you. Bye. Okay, and I have another friend here with me. How about you tell us what grade you're in? Fifth. Okay, and do you go to a French school or an English school? French. And would you say that when you talk to your friends at school or after school or on the bus, do you mostly speak French or English? Um, well, so when some people start talking English to me, then it like just automatically switches to English. Yeah, and why do you think that happens? Because you just like hear it a lot, so you respond like in English. And are you 
Is it easy for you to speak French or is it hard? Easy. Okay. Now, what about if you're just with your one friend and that friend is also French? Do you speak French or English with that one friend? It depends. Sometimes it's French, sometimes it's English. What would you say it depends on? Like, mostly like at school when we're together and we're um, partners, we'll talk French. But sometimes, like on the bus, it will turn into English because there's a lot of people in the bus that talk English. So then it just, like I said, automatically goes to English. Okay, cool. So you kind of just change depending on who's around you. Yeah. All right. Awesome. Thank you. You're welcome. Bye. Bye. And last but not least, we have an eight-year-old who is going to share her thoughts on why she thinks that she speaks uh, perhaps English to her friends. Now, again, I want to reiterate that I didn't influence them in any way, shape, or form. I didn't uh, talk to them about the questions ahead of time. So this is just really on the spot without much time for reflection because I really wanted to get a sense of their their first impression of why they thought that was. So um, I'd be interesting to see with a bit more discussion and a bit more um, information on, on how languages work if their responses would change. But that'll be for another podcast. Hi. Hi. What grade are you in? Third. And do you go to a French school or an English school? French. Okay. And would you say that when you talk to your friends at school, outside, on the bus, do you speak French or English? French. Okay. And do you sometimes... Why, why do you speak French? Who do you speak French to? My friends. Okay. Do you always speak French to all your friends? Sometimes I talk English to my friends. Yeah. Even friends that speak French as well? Yes. Why do you think that we do that? Why do you think that sometimes you speak English to your friends that also speak French at school at recess? Because some of my friends, um, they don't know the words in French. So So they ask it in English, so I respond in English. That's... Yeah, that's good. So you help them, right? And so then do you switch back to French or sometimes do you just keep talking in English? What happens? I usually switch back to French. That's pretty good. How about your friends where you lived? Your French friends where you lived? Do you speak mostly French or English? Both. Yeah? And what, how do you decide if you speak French or English? Um, well, if I want to talk French, I talk French. If I want to talk English, I talk English. It's as easy as that, right? Awesome. Thank you. Do you have something else to say? No. Okay. Bye. Bye. Now, in listening to those, one thing that you may not have noticed as you were just listening, but I was able to see their body language, and it was very clear from their body language and from the tone of their voice that they felt guilt when they admitted that they spoke English to their friends. And I tried to, you know, tell them, no, it's okay. I'm not here to, <laughs> to, to make this a punishment or to judge you if you're using English. But it just goes to show that in our society, especially when you're a minority language speaker, we have that extra pressure or we put that extra pressure on ourselves to have the perfect language skills and to use the language adequately and especially in French schools I mean kids are often told to speak French speak French speak French you know and so I think that there needs to be a bit of a shift there in the way that we encourage children to use French I think it needs to come from within like I said before we need to raise their awareness of what it is what does it mean to learn a minority language and, you know, this is not just any other language. It's a, it's a minority language that isn't spoken by um, umpteen thousand million people in the world. And so it's, it's something, it's a certain level of awareness that is required for them to, I think, value the benefit in learning a second language. So I hope that you found this useful. Um, you know, I've, I, I have a ton of resources on the website, like I mentioned. I also have posted several blogs over the years just on my personal experience with uh, raising kids bilingually. 
raising kids with um, ADHD, developmental language disorder, etc. And so feel free to go look at some of those blogs. The blog posts are categorized by theme. And so if you click on bilingualism, you will see a lot of them there. I even have one, um, tips and tricks on how to keep the minority language at the forefront. And so I try to give examples of ways to try to encourage the use of the minority language. Okay, so talked a lot about what it's like to um, live in a French minority community and the challenges that we may face when we're trying to raise our kids bilingually. So as some of you may know, if you've read some of my blog posts or uh, listened to previous episodes on this podcast, uh, my husband and I, Kevin, have decided to raise our kids bilingual from the get-go. But Kevin is... Anglophone. He learned the French language at the same time as a kid. So I have him with me. I'm sure he's very happy about that. Hi, Kevin. Hello. Yeah, I'm super happy. <laughs> I always lure him into my podcasts uh, very uh, unexpectedly late at night. Hey, I have an idea. I need you to, to speak in here. Um, so I talked a little bit at the beginning of the podcast, and, and Kevin hasn't heard any of the uh, previous recording from today. Um, about the importance of being a Francophile. And a Francophile is basically someone who values the French language, the French culture, and all that it entails. And so why do you think, Kevin, it's important to be a key player in your kid's language journey and, and to support their acquisition of all of their languages? I can give you a second to think about that if you want. Putting you on the spot. I didn't tell them the questions ahead of time. <laughs> Uh, well, I mean, I think in general, being bilingual uh, serves anyone very well. I mean, I know there are a lot of adults that I'm sure wish they could speak, myself included, uh, French fluently. Uh, I'm comfortable speaking to children just from having talked to our own kids. But um, yeah, I, I think it, it opens up a lot of doors. Uh, it's a very widely spoken language around the world, uh, not just, uh, of course, uh, Canada, Ontario and Quebec and stuff like that. Um, I think they need opportunity at home to speak it. So if you remember, I took uh, a basic French course and then an advanced French course at Cambrian prior to Matthew, our oldest, being born, uh, just to give me a bit of a better foundation than I had from living in Montreal when I was a kid um, so that I could, as you say, learn along with them. And then uh, I only spoke French to them until they were better than French, uh, at French than I was. Right, and that's that's. Fantastic. I was always very impressed by your um, ability to learn French and willingness to learn French. Now, you know, as an English parent, predominantly English parent, what tip might you give other parents who are considering enrolling their kids in a French school if they uh, don't speak French all that much? Like, what, what would you say to them? I would certainly encourage it, but I, um, I would look to set the children up for success. Um, Again, by even if you don't understand it yourself or feel comfortable speaking, I mean, watching uh, French or movies in French, most of them uh, you can switch the language to French, leading into it, listening to French radio, some easy-to-read French books, things like that. I think they need the opportunity at home to be exposed to it as much as possible and encouraging them to practice it and speak French if, again, they can't with you as a parent at least with a friend who is French or uh, whatnot. Having grown up in an English uh, family and in English school boards, um, I've definitely been very, not that I wasn't impressed because I didn't know any differently, but um, I've been very impressed with the French school boards, the public specifically here in uh, Sudbury with the um, events that they hold and the uh, encouragement to the language uh, the enthusiasm, uh, the culture, all that stuff. So I would definitely encourage people enrolling their children, uh, but setting them up for success. Yeah, and previously on the podcast, I was talking about the importance of having a language plan in place and determining when you're going to expose your children to French and, and whatnot. Now, would you say that there have been challenges? And if so, what are those challenges? And... Um, yeah, maybe just talk to us a little bit about if were there any challenges, and if so, what were they? Um, I mean, me helping with any kind of French homework uh, all this time definitely wasn't a great option. Uh, thankfully, you are uh, fluently English and French. 
Um, so I would say that would be a challenge if neither of us spoke French fluently to help with homework and stuff like that. I've found actually the biggest challenge of the past couple of years is um, encouraging them to continue speaking French because they uh, always speak French at home or used to. And then French in school and class, they've felt that even two French kids in our house speaking English to each other, speaking bad English to each other, um, where they should really be speaking French. That's been uh, more of the challenge lately. Right. And I think, as you said, you uh, learn to speak French with the kids, you know, starting with their first word, their first sentences. And at a certain point, their French kind of surpassed yours in the sense that it was harder to talk about more emotional topics such as the death of a family member or whatnot. And would you say that since um, you're not so exposed to French that it's a bit harder for you now to express yourself? Like, So earlier on the podcast, I was talking about the importance of exposure. The more you use it, the more you're comfortable with it. And the more you're exposed to it, the more you... You're, you're more um, willing to use it, I guess. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't speak French very much anymore with the kids. Uh, I remember um, them starting to ask questions why I was making so many mistakes and all this kind of stuff, and you, you explaining to them that I'm actually an Anglophone. Or how our, our kids actually say he's born English. They, they've adopted that term themselves. Are you born English or are you born French? But we know we know what they mean. So I thought that was pretty funny, but I, I was getting fairly proficient, I think, with uh, conversational French and uh, not using it as much anymore, for sure. Um, I, I don't feel as comfortable. I, I think I'd survive if I was dropped in the middle of Quebec somewhere. Um, I wouldn't starve or anything, but uh, but yeah, certainly not using it as much anymore myself. Uh, but the kids obviously have a great foundation and continue in French school and will be fully bilingual uh, growing up and have, I, in my opinion, a lot more opportunities uh, for work and or travel or whatever. Yeah, and I find going back to the very first question I asked you why you think it's, well, it's important to be a key player. I've heard you many times, you know, try to encourage the kids to speak French to one another or to speak French to their French friends that come over. So I think, um, and this you've done on your own, you, you definitely play a, a very important role, even though you no longer necessarily have in-depth conversations with them in French. So I appreciate that. And I think it's part of the language plan and it's something that um, families need to discuss together. So thank you again. Uh, this is your second appearance on the podcast and uh, this won't be your last one. So I appreciate it. Thanks. De rien. De rien. Ah, c'est fantastique. Well, this pretty much concludes uh, this episode of the Parley podcast. I hope that it was helpful and that you may have found a few tips that you will practice in your own home. Please don't hesitate to send me an email if you have any questions. My contact information can be found at theparleypodcast.com. Also, uh, make use of the resources that are there under resources for printing or printable, I forget. Uh, there are also a lot of episodes in French if you uh, have any interest in some of those episodes. Uh, stay tuned for more. I will be bringing back some similar episodes on how to raise bilingual kids in a community where there is one really dominant language and one minority language. Take care, everyone. And I hope you are in, somehow celebrating this uh, Franco-Ontarian week. The day is actually September 25th, but I'm just celebrating the whole day and maybe even continue on uh, for the rest of the month. Take care.